So the thing about meals, I've, I've been off lunch, you know, for a long time. I, I started to do this whole thing, you know, for years. I was, um, I was uh, what do they call it, the intermittent fasting? Yes, yep. And uh, so, you know, you don't eat till noon. What was your hours? Yeah. Yeah, it's like 8 p.m. to noon. And then I, um, I saw this thing where you're, you're, it's, it's bad for your body. Yeah. So I'm starting to have breakfast. Are you a breakfast guy? Big breakfast guy now. What do you, so I just learned from my trainer to never be hungry, to always eat. Okay. Exactly. Okay, yeah, talk like about that. this. Yeah, so I was, I was basically the guy not eating anything throughout the day. Yeah. And then I would just... Very malnourished. Yeah, horrible. But I'm thinking it's good. I don't know why. But dinner was the only thing I was eating. And then uh, I was ha- actually having a, a conversation with some of our friends. And then I spoke to my trainer. And the trainer was like, yeah, you should never be hungry. Food is fuel. And if you ever get hungry, that means you're running on empty. So I was always thinking, you know, have a coffee in the morning, yep. have another coffee in the morning, eat around 12 or 1. Yep. You know, and now I'm having breakfast. Mm. What a great meal. What a great concept. It is a great meal. <laughs> it's, it's like great. an old friend. You could have <laughs> breakfast for any meal and it's, it's, it's in bounds. Yeah, we used to do that growing up. Did you ever do that? My Absolutely. mom once a week was doing breakfast for dinner. Pancakes for dinner were my favorite. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. But now I'm having a breakfast like with my boys, like sausage and best. bacon and all this stuff. And I'm just like, where have I been? <laughs> where, what was I doing? Hey, breakfast is great for dinner, but breakfast is really great for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, and I'm still enjoying the coffee, but now I'm skipping lunch. I'm oh, not yeah. really eating that much lunch. Wait, you but gotta, you're you saying eat all three meals second. and a snack in between. So yeah. you're saying that I need to be eating all day. Breakfast, snack, lunch, mm-hmm. snack, dinner. But what about Bam. our jawline? Do you get concerned? Well, Chad, you look like you have a you, you look like you have a look, horrible metabolism. Yes. It just looks like you can't. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of frustrating to hear down, you yeah. complain about weight, by the way. You can eat whatever you want. <laughs> no, that's not great. true. I've, I've been, been with you. That's I've a been lie. starving myself for years. You're saying that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the thing about lunch is that I am finding it far inferior to the breakfast. Hmm. I Tolerate think that, lunch. I think that yes. breakfast... Agreed. I'm now, and now that I'm in the breakfast phase yeah. of my life, you know, left it for a while, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a better go than lunch. Absolutely. Lunch is lunch. It's what like, are you going to have It's for an lunch? interruption. Salad. Yeah, it's you a know, salad. A, a smoothie. Yeah. I'm mad at, like, peanut butter and banana. That's a great lunch. But other than that, eh. The breakfast options are off the charts. I'm messing with oats now. I'm doing <laughs> oatmeals. I'm doing bacon. Chicken sausage. I'm having chicken sausage. Yeah. I'm having, you know, the thing I miss the most, I'm having toast. I love toast. Right? Oh, but I'm trying to stay away from carbs. Toast, butter, jam. There's what kind no of bread are you using? Any, I'm, I'm, I, I do not limit myself when it comes oh to bread. Sourdough all day. Uh, I do There's not limit better. myself. I love all breads equally. Mm. I do not. I'm. I'm not uh, uh, prejudiced against any bread. Gluten free. If it, no, I don't care. Okay. If it's bread, I'm eating it. That's not bread. That's not bread. It's not bread. It's not bread. That's cardboard. But my point is that, like the old saying goes, the most important meal of the day is breakfast. Welcome to the 100th episode of Leadership Leading with a live audience. Are you kidding me? This is wild. We are joined for episode 100 with the great, 
Pastor Chris Durso is in the house. Welcome him, everybody. What an honor. This is unbelievable. We made it. We made it. We made it. A lot of people didn't make it, but we did. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but let's name names. Anyways, um, so um, we are episode 100. We've got some friends that have made it here from all over the place, and we are thrilled and excited to have some guests yes. in the house. Nate Dog, the Gospel Ninjas here. April, the great co-host. I, I, I more think April's like a, she's like a, she's not just a co-host. She's like a co-anchor. Huh. Okay. You got I'll roll with you that. Got, you got anchor vibes the blazers, for me. Right. Like, yeah, the blazers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got thing. shoulder pads. Yeah, on. that's what I'm saying. Like, you could do the news today. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> but like, I'm but I'm here for all of it. Great. Then what's Nate? Nate? The Gospel Ninja. Okay. Yeah, he's a uh, gospel ninja. Yeah, we in before we went live here on the hundredth episode, we found out some things about his, you know, closet. Whoopsies! But um, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got secrets. It's cupboards, not closets. This guy's got secrets. We're gonna expose on TMZ. Chad, you're not that big, anyways. But um, we are thrilled to have Chris here, and um, I just I wanted to have somebody on that I could have fun with and laugh with and also who is who is a prolific leader and none fits the bill better than you. So thank you for coming out from New York. This is this is as fun as it gets. It's only taken us six years to get here to a hundred. <laughs> but a hundred is a lot, by Truly. the way. It is, but you know he was telling me yesterday we were in the airport talking about Mr. Beast. Uh-huh. Yes. Genius. He has he has how many videos on YouTube? He, he took him down, but he had over a thousand videos before this run. Which, of, which is amazing. Yes. A thousand However, videos? You're not just a podcaster. So, like, if you were to pull a Mr. Beast, that would mean when you're planning services or you're preaching, you have a camera attached to your face, and then that adds as a podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Encourage me. Please oh, help me. Man of God. I appreciate Listen. it. I receive hey, all hey, of it. You are the real Mr. Beast. Let me tell you. You are a beast <laughs> wow. of a leader. And yeah. We actually have a hundred things that we love about you. Go. Well, I, I number one. Well, I I, I started eating <laughs> breakfast. I started eating breakfast, and I went beast mode. It's crazy. Yeah, it's through the roof. Got rid of the salts. But um, we've made it to 100, and um, I think we were trying to figure it out. You looked up some numbers. We're at something mm. like two point. How many how many downloads do we have in 100 episodes? Toss it to you, April. Okay. Oh wow. Co-anchor. Okay. Well. It's around, you, yeah. you can approximate like, for us, that's fine. Like 2.4 million? 2.4 million d- streams. But, you know, I mean, rem- I'm not good with numbers, but yes. <laughs> we have discovered this about <laughs> April. We've discovered this on stage during segments for yes. the church. But Heart of gold, numbers of thorn, it's not really working out. <laughs> but we'll say 2.4 million. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Roughly. I think it's a little over like, 2.4 at this point, but. Yeah, but nonetheless, we're just really grateful, we're really excited, and uh, Nate and I, we're in Memphis, Tennessee yesterday, and uh, Des Robertson, Blaze's wife, uh, from Connecticut. They're starting a church this weekend, Wonder so, Lab on. in Whoa. Connecticut. That's Amazing. the name of their church? And that's the name of their name. church is, is called Wonder Lab. That's a that's great name. That's so cool. And W-U-N-D-E-R, Wonder Lab. And she, uh, uh, Blaze and Des have been friends of ours for Man, well years. over a, d- a decade, and they're starting this church in, I think, Greenwich. Yep. And she, we're, we're saying bye to them, and she leans in, and she goes, and by the way, I'm a leaner. And I was like, <laughs> stop. Like, I just, yeah, I couldn't believe that Des listens to our podcast. And I was like, that means the world to me. I go, that's Nate over there. And she looks over, and she goes, that's Nate? <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I couldn't tell if it was good or bad. I didn't feel like it was like, 
No way. Or if it He's was even like, more impressive in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was, it I, was think, a, I think that's what it was. It was a very was confusing. So she was like, oh my yeah, God, exactly. I just couldn't. I, I would just. It was like, yep, that's him. I was like, I can't tell how she feels about this. <laughs> but um, but that's Nate. <laughs> he, he's got an issue. Um, but um, but we're just so. <laughs> and I. Poor Nate. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, many, fine. many have said that. So, anyways, um, but um, we we joke around. We call it, you know, um, the leaners. I'm a leaner, and um, the whole thing for us, the subject of leadership, we've been talking about this subject. Chris and I, by the way, have gotten to travel. I mean, the world together, truly, around the world together, absolutely, Australia, Africa, Europe, truly, and all over one America. of my favorite memories with you. And I want to just be careful as I tell this story. <laughs> one of my favorite memories with you is one time Chris oh, and I... I already know what you're going to say. One time oh. Chris and Are I... Are you going went, to Latin America? I'm We're going to Latin America. Oh, one, time, one time Chris and I were preaching in Peru together. <laughs> Don't say where. And Chris Durso and I were <laughs> reprimanded by pastors. Chris, Pastor Chris Durso and I were reprimanded by pastors in our hotel room. Well, that, that's actually not true. You so were this being isn't reprimanded the first intervention. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I was, I'll take I was, that. I was I'll with take you. That. I was being reprimanded. You. Chris was a witness. Yeah. And um, well, this one I learned that Chris Durso is from Queens, New York. Okay. <laughs> and so, because when I was being reprimanded, in my head, I was just like, oh, no problem. I'll just, in my head, I was just like, oh, I just never come back here again in my life. Like, I'm good. So I'm just backing down. I'm like, I would never mean, I am so sorry. Like if I offend someone, by the way, also, I'm just like, I feel bad. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, I am so, I, we, please forgive me. So I say my part and then Chris stood up from the bed. He, we're, we're sitting two at, beds, we're sitting two at beds the, in the yeah, room, two, yeah, two yeah. queens. at the end of the beds, the pastors are yelling at us. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Chris stands up. And Chris Durso starts walking around and he's like, hold up. Are you trying to tell me that my free time is not free time? And he and the pastors just backed up like this. And I was like, dang, I could never do that. But uh, that's leadership. There it is. Well, I, I was there as an ally, Chad. You know, as, 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 I, as I was watching you being treated as a child uh, by a pastor, not that much older, by the way, yelling at us for for getting coffee or something on like a five hour break. It, it was something as silly as that. It was, and I was like, at the I end love of the them day, too much, and I love you too much. So like, we can't just allow this moment because they're gonna walk out going, "We did a good thing," and sir, you did not do a good thing. Okay? That was, <laughs> that was not them. a good moment. This is a lesson in leadership. Yeah, stand up for your friends. Absolutely, <laughs> when they're stand getting up. bullied and destroyed. Hey, we ride out. <laughs> yeah, not me. I was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Didn't mean to do it. I don't think you were in LA yet, so I think had you been here, yeah, you would have been tougher. Yeah, yeah, I was just a little boy. <laughs> yeah. That was it's like all up, all that, at that time. I only had two kids. <laughs> like, like, bro, you're a father. Why are you letting a grown man? <laughs> no, you you were super gracious. It was definitely a funny moment. Though. It was a funny moment, but to me, it was one of my favorite moments I've had with you. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we got in trouble for doing what we always do, yep. and we were just, you know, talking, hanging out, and laughing. laughing. And that's what we're going to do today. We're celebrating 100 episodes. Uh, we have had, by the way. This is pretty cool. We have had in 100 episodes, 
we have had some of, I think, some of the best leaders in the world on this yeah. podcast. You have. Uh, people like John Maxwell. God. Could you just hit it? Just Everything rises and falls on leadership. When he was on our podcast, he was not fresh off of a nap. No, he did not sound like that. Because <laughs> that was napping, John. That was crazy. We Hopefully John it. doesn't listen to John Napwell. I don't think we're on John's radar, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, I think John's in his palace uh, preparing to walk out to the yacht. But anyways, um, <laughs> John... <laughs> You're going to bring out a bad side of me today. I got to stay focused. So, John, um, Craig Rochelle has been with us. Um, hit, hit Craig's button. <laughs> That's you know, not fair. That's we, not fair. Edit that out. We had a Craig button, but we decided to keep calling Coward because it's so funny. You can't have yeah, a push-ups button. Like, there's not like a, there's not a weight room button. We I need bet to that add guy that. Has never stopped eating breakfast. Oh, yeah. dude, he's a breakfast guy. That's for sure. Okay, we're replacing the ding with Craig Rochelle next Yeah, episode. let's do that. Done. But Craig has been on. Who are some other? We were just naming John them. John Gordon. There. John Gordon has been on. Legend. David Nurse at John Mary. I mean, just so many. Yep. Levi Lusco and so many amazing guests have been on. And um, we're just, we're very excited about the future. And we wanted to celebrate. I thought that today would be pretty cool if we talked about some of the things we've learned in 100 episodes of Leadership Lean In. Our mantra really is we are leaning into the subject of leadership just to get a little bit better. And I cannot promise perfection, but I can promise progress. That's right. That's the whole goal of leadership is I cannot be perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect leader. There's a dark side to every leader. So there's strengths and weaknesses to all leaders. Some leaders, are, you know, are, their, their strengths are glaring. You know, they're just on full display. And, and at the same time, so are their weaknesses. So I cannot promise perfection, but I'm trying to get a little bit better. That's why I lean into this. Part of this podcast for me is out of Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4 says, call wisdom your sister. Mm. It's calling out to you in the streets. Put wisdom around your neck. It will promote you, advance you. It'll take care of you. Wealth and honor are in your left hand. Like, it's just, there's just so much there for me. So I've always wanted to lean into the subject to get a little bit better as a leader. And uh, so today we're going to talk about some things we've learned from the podcast. I'm excited about it. This is uh, exciting. I was just going to say, I think we had you on, on, on episode 24, Chris. Oh. Wow. So you're via, one of the hundred. Yeah, via yeah. Zoom? I was wondering which, no, yeah, it was, it was via Zoom. Yeah, via Zoom. 24, that's a good number. Those were dark, well, it's Ken Griffey Jr. number, it's Kobe Bryant number. Yeah, I mean, that's why you had me there. Yeah, that's why we, we intentionally <laughs> put, we go, when we started, we go, who's going to be 24? I go, well, Durso reminds me of Kobe. That's the greatest thing you ever said. To me. <laughs> what a call there. <laughs> Keep rolling. Mama. Um, but, um, you know, we've learned so much from talking about the subject and studying it and yeah. trying to become, uh, I think it should be the goal of every parent, the goal of every business leader, the goal of every, whatever sphere of industry you're in to become an effective, efficient leader. That's mm -hmm. the goal. And so we're going to talk about some things that we have learned. The first thing I want to talk about is every great leader that we talked to had an extreme commitment to their vision and the people who were helping fulfill that vision. Mm. And so you could sense like, I, and which I always love, like you talk about visionary leaders. I think the first role of, and the responsibility of a leader is to get a vision. Mm. You know, the, the Bible says it th this way, like when there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Wow. So in other words, like why would I, you know, not drink a bunch of Jack Daniels 
Nate? Who's why would I? Why would I? What, or why would I not? Just, you know, we're just having fun. But why, why would? Why would I not participate in these things? Because I've been arrested by vision. Yeah. So great leaders have a vision for their life, and I think not just for their life, but a vision for what they're leading. Yeah. And and because they're selling out to the vision, they understand that the people that are with them are the thing that are going to help fulfill the vision. It's not money that fulfills a vision. It's people. And so we've got to give ourselves to the vision that is on our life or in our heart. And I always hold on to that thought. If I've got something big in my heart, I've got something good in my hand. Hmm. So I know that that's part of being a leader. Part of being a leader is just going like, dude, I, I saw something. I felt something. I can, I know, I just so believe in pictures and dreams and getting that idea, write it down. If you're a leader, you're writing that down, making it as plain as possible so whoever reads the vision can run with the vision. That's great. So I think you got to get the vision and then sell out to the people that are working the vision. That's right, yeah. yeah. I, I, a great saying I've always thought about is, how do you outwork the vision? So the vision is X, Y, and Z. How do you outwork it? That's so like, I'm, uh, that's great that the vision's this big, but I'm going to even try and outwork it. Sure. And so I think in order to do that, what we learned from talking to leaders was that every great leader had a vision, and then they were committed to the people that were going to execute it and walk it out and fulfill it. When I start talking about being a visionary leader, when I start talking about people that, that work the vision, what comes to mind for you? Like, what's one thing that stands out right away? Well, first of all, I'm not just saying this. I think when I look at you, though, you've always been that leader that is sold out to the vision. So I remember yeah. being with you, talking about L.A., dreaming about L.A., thinking, I've never lived anywhere but New York. And then next thing I know, you're living in L.A. And you're doing what you need to do in order to, to launch this church. And then after the church, we're, we're doing a conference. And after that, we're doing an album. And then we're, we're doing a podcast. And it's, it's exactly that. I think so often great leaders make things look easy. But in actuality, it's not that, they are, that it was easy, but that their spirit was easy. And wow. they just said, they said yes wow. to it. They, they leaned all the way in on it. That's why this idea of leaning in is so essential. It's, on a side note, by the way, we could say, man, it just, it needs vision. It's not about the money. So somebody could be watching this go, but yeah, but tell me how to get the money. And he, here's what I know. Provision always follows vision. That's right. Wow, provision that's really always follows. So Every if you're time. doing what God's given you in your heart, he's going he's gonna to grace you for it and he's favored you for it, which means there's something ahead that's going to help you take care of it. But man, it's that initial step of faith. Um, believing in what's in my heart, whether it's a business idea, a company, a ministry, I'm going to step towards it. And as I step towards it, resources are going to follow me. And I think that's so key because there are so many people that wouldn't have left Seattle and they just would have had a dream. The difference between a dream and a vision is something becoming reality. Hello. When you have a vision, it's man, good. you work towards it, you run towards it, you invest in it. A dream is just, it's just a good story. Wow. Wow. So good. I think, you know, and by the way, I get really scared of the leader that is more committed to the vision and their loyalty to that than the people that are executing the vision. I think this is a scary thing that you find in a lot of leaders that they're so married to the vision that they almost divorce the people working it. Wow. Jeez. And so you have to be very careful that the, the loyalty is in order. You receive the vision, 
And so you are confident and secure in that. Right. And then you understand that without good people, you cannot do anything. So I'm committed to them equally. Absolutely. And I think this is a, this is a, sh- a short side leader. I remember one pastor uh, telling me, you know, a great leader. And he was telling me, um, God gave me a vision. My church is going to be 20,000 people. And this guy is in the way of it. So he's got to go. Wow. And I, I could feel the, you know, you know how sometimes in leadership, somebody says something, you're like, I know that's not right, but I need to understand why. Yeah. And I could tell this is not right. And to me, what it felt like, what I was sensing in this anger and frustration was, ah, oh, you care more about this than developing pe- good people around you. You have to work hard for those that work hard for you. And if you try and bypass that, it's the whole thing is like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with a group. And so I think that's equally important. I've got to be a visionary leader. I want to have vision, vision for my children, vision for my family, vision for my finances, vision for my future, vision for what I'm leading, vision for leadership. Lena, I got to get a vision. That's why I love January. Every January to me is about fasting. I'm not, you know, involving myself in, you know, what I would usually eat. And I am just writing and writing and downloading and dreaming. I spend January dreaming. And I might write down some stuff that's crazy that I don't want to tell anybody else. But I just like, it's like, it's, I'm, trying to find, I'm, I'm trying to delineate between what you said, a dream and a vision. What is like something that would be cool and in my heart? And what is the reality of what I'm supposed to be doing? Wow. So good. And as I do that, I know that I cannot walk this out without good people around me. Right. I, th- I think something that you, you've been saying too lately around the office is... Great leaders have a vision that encompasses other great yeah. leaders' vision. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that the leader's vision is so big it cancels other people's visions. Right. You can't you don't have a place here, and you got to be moved around. In fact, it's so big and it's so extreme, and your commitment to others is so extreme. You want to see the vision for their life rise up, That's and then right. in, in in that process, the big vision comes to pass as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the, the concern would be is that um, if your vision doesn't scare you, you, you need a bigger vision. Right. Yeah. Right. Because if you can accomplish it pretty easily, you know it's not that, it's not that great. Yeah. Yeah. But it should have a little bit of fear and trembling. Like, oh, man, if God doesn't help us, sure. we don't got a shot. Sure. Totally. So I think there's a, there's a part of that. But every leader we talked to that was great, in my opinion, was equally committed to, of course, what's on their life, but, but also who, I was thinking about when Qu- the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon's house and she walked around mm. and she, um, wow. And then she says something so great. She says, man, how happy must your people be? Wow. So what she's saying is, I can tell you didn't just build this and use people. I can tell you built this and you're also really kind and gracious and loyal and committed and respecting. And there's something about someone that has both. Mm. Yeah. That's right. I think that's something that over the last few podcasts has just been so sticking out to me is this concept, especially what you said, Nate, that you've been saying, like, if your vision, if everyone else's vision can't fit inside yours, it's too small. And I think that that's a reason why it's so genuine coming from you because I think Zoe, like, 
the church, we stick out like a sore thumb in LA because it's just not the culture of LA to include people for really not asking for anything back. I mean, we don't include people in our vision because we're expecting something from them. Mm. It's servanthood. Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah, and I, it's so rare these days. When I, when I hear you say what you're saying, right, it boils down to this one word, stewardship. And that's what leaders understand. If I'm going to get somewhere, I have to properly manage what I have. That's what stewardship is. It's, it's not just having a dream. It's having a dream. People are included in it, so I have a vision for it, and I'm allowing their visions to be a part of it. But as the head visionary, it is up to you to see the role that they play, right. where they fit, how this makes sense. It's also not to say that not every leader that has a vision within your organization is, is necessarily the right approach because that's where some people just get confusing, right? Some, it'll cause you to go on a rabbit trail. So you have to steward it and understand how do we do this together and how do we get there together? And as the chief visionary, it's, it's your job or our job to make sure that they're understanding where we're going and how we're getting there. I would challenge anyone that's reading the Bible to notice from Genesis to Revelation, that is the key theme. Like, I had this thought, if you grew up in charismatic church, non-denominational church, Pentecostal church, right, we love to preach the, the Paul conversion story. He went from Saul to Paul, the Damascus Road experience. But we know if you study it, that's actually his salvation moment. Right. Wow. So we've all had a salvation moment. Therefore, we've all had a Damascus Road experience. What does Paul take the, the rest of his time doing? He's not writing about one moment changes. He's not doing that. He's talking about stewardship. He's writing to churches. He's telling people how to live, how to, how, to, how to go about things. He's correcting churches. He's telling Timothy, hey, guard your doctrine. What is he doing? He's teaching him stewardship. And I think so often as leaders, we can get caught up on Damascus Road experiences and miss out on this theme so of good. day by day. Hey, you want to do something great one day? Then it starts how you handle today, how you handle the people that are in your care today. And in fairness, there are a lot of young leaders that could that could mess that up. They, yeah. they don't realize it. They allow their insecurities to get in the way. And it really has nothing to do with the other people. It's all to do how they're internalizing and how they're filtering things. And that's why it is, it's so important that if we're going to be people of vision, we have to make sure that we're seen correctly. That's right. I have to be able to see the people around me correctly so that I have vision. So good. I love what you just said. And I think there, there's two other things that come to mind when you talk about visionary leaders. Andy Stanley always says vision leaks. So you got to keep the vision in front of people. And I think you got to keep it in front of yourself. Right. Always having that vision in front of you, never forgetting what you're called to do, who you're called to be, what you're supposed to be doing. Don't let, you know, the vision leak. And then you got to just stay the course. Be patient. I'll never forget um, the first time we had a, a Zoe conference. I walked out onto the stage. I look at the Wiltern is completely packed. And I remember it being a moment for me where I actually stood in my vision. So now I saw that years ago, I saw that picture. So it was a little deja vu because I saw it. Wow. And then you got to do the practical stuff and build and build and build and just put your head down. But then just one day it's going to come to pass. Wow. And one day you're going to stand in your vision. And then it's just a cool moment. You go, okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> and then you go and you get a bigger vision. That's right. And you just got to keep right. being a visionary leader. Here's the second thing I put down. Every great leader skips on their way to work because for them, it's not work. Amen. John Maxwell always says, John Maxwell always says, <laughs> John Maxwell always <laughs> says that never work a day in your life. 
that I think there's something about a leader that is enthusiastic, something about passion. You can't put a price tag on passion. Mm. You can't, like, this is our 100th episode, and, uh, you know, as God is my witness, this is my Bible, because this is my phone, my Bible's on here. <laughs> I, I have not received $1 from Leadership Leaning, personally. I have, but, but, you know, I've never wanted a dollar. I've never done this for money, but I've skipped on my way to doing every podcast. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, you just got to love what you do. And I love making this podcast because why? I love leadership and I love talking about it. And I love the potential that it could inspire or impact or influence somebody else. You're going to love what you're doing. I got to ask you this then, because there's somebody watching, right? And maybe they're working a job or they're in a position that they don't love. So they're not skipping to it. So maybe by default, they're thinking, I'm just a passionless person. How would you answer that? How would you respond to that? Well, I would, I would say you got to take a, a, a long, hard look at, at yourself in the mirror and find out what do you love. Great. Go do that. Go do you that. You know, like when I first moved here, there's a guy that I really love. He's a creative. He, you know, he's, he moved when, when Will Smith was moving from West Philadelphia, born and raised on the <laughs> playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, oh. maxing, relaxing, all cool, and shooting some, some outside, outside the school. When a couple of guys, guys who were up to no good, good. they started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got one little fight and my mom got scared. She said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle to Bel Air. When he moved to Bel Air, <laughs> my, my, one of my close friends, Omar, came with him. And Omar's been with Will and done everything. Every song you enjoy from Will, Omar wrote. Every, Omar's done everything for him. And when I first got to L.A., I really listened to Omar a lot because he understands L.A. and industry really well. And he had a saying that really impacted me. He said, when you come here, there will be so many opportunities for you. And you have to discern what you should do. Wow. He said, only do things that you believe in, period. Great. So good. And so I would say to anybody that's passionless, only do things that you believe in, period. And if you don't believe in it, don't do it. Sure. Can, can I, I want you to give a little perspective to that as well. I, I might go the other way as well. If, if you're in a service industry, retail, and it's the other thing, right? You came to LA, for example, you want to be an actor, an actress, a songwriter, a producer, but you find yourself selling shoes at Nordstrom. Yeah. And you hate this job at Nordstrom. You got to change your perspective. This job at Nordstrom is giving you the rent it's to the put in the work. The sure. After. So sure. instead of going like, man, I hate that I have to do this. You got to start looking at that thing is this is the thing that's allowing you to live in the land that your vision can be right. realized. That's right. Until, until you make this thing happen, this thing has to be the thing that allows the opportunity yeah. to be yeah. fulfilled. And, and think about what you just said. He moved to LA. Yeah. Like you could say, I want to be, I want to be an actor. I want to be an actress, but your hometown is in Nebraska. Puyallup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could end up on some independent film possibly. Yeah. If you make a, but if you want to be in, in the movies, you got to get to Hollywood. Yeah. And the same would be true for any subculture or any area where, where there's a certain expertise. There are different places that are zoned yeah. to different purposes. Yeah. And if you, if you believe that this is for you, invest in it and make the move. That's I think great. too often people are waiting for opportunity to come to them. Ooh. I said, man, you go to opportunity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I, and I just think like when you get into that, what you, when you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Absolutely. I think every person should do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Like we would call it the will of God for your life. Yeah. Find out what that is. Find your purpose. When you find that purpose, 
you still have to maintain or steward, like you were saying, yeah. that right attitude. Absolutely. But there's nothing like enthusiasm. There's nothing. There's like nothing enthusiasm. like that contagious, infectious attitude that's like, I'm pumped to be here yeah. today. I'm excited to be in the and, office. And it's a choice, by the way. It's a choice. Some people will say things, you know, this culture will say, ah, oh, but it's easy for him. He's an extrovert. Hmm. I, man, I don't, think, I don't think everyone that has a great smile and, and a great attitude just wakes up every day and, and says, ah, it comes easy to me. Man, I think you have right. to choose to yeah. smile. Yeah. I think yeah, you have to choose right. to celebrate. I think you have to choose how you talk about your situation. And it might sound cliche, but man, it is so imperative that we are speaking life over our situation, yeah. right. that we're speaking affirmations over ourselves. I don't, it might sound cheesy. I don't think there's anything wrong with looking in the mirror and giving yourself five positive affirmations. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you want to be enthusiastic, then you're going to have to be enthusiastic about being enthusiastic. Yeah. So yes. you're going to have to so put good. yourself in a position to do that, which... Again, there might be people watching that are introverts that go, well, I can't do that. And I would say, I think you can. Right. You, yeah. you, you look at anybody that is a great leader and, and you would say, well, why, why do you want to follow? What is the X factor about them? Mm. Like, what is it? What, why do I want to follow that person? Would it be their intelligence? Would it be their charisma? Would it be, you know, their character? I think one of the most attractive things about a leader is a confident, secure person that is passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. You could, yeah, I'm, I'm in. That's right. You know, it's like th this guy that's, uh, you know, going viral on TikTok right now, Keith Lee. Have you seen this guy? He's, he's the best. He's the one that's eating, you know, he's he's like a food reviewer now. He's an MMA fighter turned food critic. Las Vegas. I I'm not on TikTok. Maybe I should be. Oh, you got to get on. It's so <laughs> yeah, fun. So TikTok, I'm having so much fun on TikTok. <laughs> it, the the TikTok other one's so boring. <laughs> All the other mean. ones are boring. But anyways, this guy, he's, he, man, when he bites into that taco, the that pizza, passion. the passion is, <laughs> and then he zooms in on his face. I want to go to Vegas to Shout try. To Keith Lee. We're coming to Vegas with y'all to try some Keith food. Lee on the podcast. Go. Yeah, we got to yeah. get Keith Lee. But like, he's passionate about it. He's talking about his customer ex uh, service experience. And I spent, I spent $82.50 here. Let's see. He's going through the, I can't take my eyes off watching him. Because he's got passion. Man, so you know what's so beautiful about that? Even though I haven't seen this guy, I'm watching your passion about his passion. And it's because <laughs> his passion is loud. I, you don't have to be a loud person in order oh. for your passion to be loud. But yeah. when your passion is loud, man, I'm attracted to it. What is it about that? I want to learn. I want to lean into that. It, it's it, amazing to watch it. It is, it is to me like, you know, when um, people say, I don't want to be in a loveless marriage. Or mm -hmm. other people say, I don't want to be in a, a sex uh, a sex-starved marriage, I would say I would hate to follow a leader that has no passion. Right. Like, the, it's got to be, like, the number one ingredient. Don't laugh. I can say I'm that. I'm trying to figure I out where you were tracking with that. I say that. Where are we going? Yeah, I want to get an amen from the main people. Like, <laughs> we could say amen. I was trying to figure out your train of thought on it. You stuttered at the wrong time. No, I'm just like, where just, well, I almost going? said, you, you know, know, people, listen to sex. Sex-starved. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's your new like, button. great, we're going to have to cut this. Make that a button right there. I don't want a sex-starved marriage right there. Stop. Stop. That's a good one. Do it again. What? Stop. Sex starved. <laughs> but people don't, my point that I was making brilliantly, uh, is that you just, you don't, you can't follow someone that doesn't. And you just, it's obvious. Like when someone loses their passion, it's like, oh, yeah, they don't care. Yep. Hmm. 
It's like they stop caring. They just like mm-hmm. it, they're putting in such minimum effort just to get by. Yeah, I was I was gonna say too. I think difficulty is a poor measure of purpose. And what I mean by that is, it people think that if it's easy, it's it's your purpose. Wow. But most of the time, there the majority of your purpose is difficult. That's right. And then you get to something fulfilling. Yes. And if you if you're sometimes your motivation won't get you through it. Most of the time, you will not be inspired. You have to rest on that passion, That's right. that belief in your purpose to get you through this stuff. When I, when I skip on the way to work, I skip on the way to work to solve all the problems we got. Yeah. Because we got tons of problems. See that fire? And we got t- I skip on the way to figure out the budget meeting because we need to, like, you know, wrestle down our operations line so we can have more money and savings to buy more property. Like, you got to – you know, of course it has problems, but right. you, got, you can't – lose your passion right. here's the third thing every great leader we interviewed used an example from something they learned that week mm. and i love that because they were always like you know i just read yeah i just saw i just listened to i was just talking to you know for me one of my favorite thoughts is they say of comedians always have something you know fresh in your pocket just in case you gotta you know stand up and and, and have your moment. I think, you know, as a, as a preacher, you're a, you're a world-class preacher. You got to always have to have a fresh word, a fresh, you know, it's like, I can't preach what I was preaching in Peru, getting yelled at by a couple of, <laughs> <laughs> you, you got to have something uh, fresh, yeah. right? Right now I'm on this Isaiah 26, eight, eight mm. verse. I'm just like, but it's fresh for me. Right. So I'm yeah. standing on it. So, you know, to me, leaders are the best learners, Always, and if you lose your hunger to learn, I think a great leader is like is one of my favorite book titles. A few things I've learned since I knew it all. It's great. That's leadership. Leadership is going like great title. I was an idiot last week, but this week I got my stuff together. Yeah, there's something about you know they say the greatest leaders are the greatest followers, Mm -hmm. and something that I've really tried to work at as a leader is doing a 10 times better job at following mm. and submitting and that receptivity. By the way, I think a sign of a great leader is they can learn from anybody. And anywhere. 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 Be inspired. Just see somebody do something and then see the beauty of it. In fact, I think all of us have been in certain rooms where you're you're talking to people that you don't necessarily share the same profession. Peru. But it's the, the excellence or the passion to what you're doing that actually draws you together. Just yesterday, I was on the plane, uh, started talking to the guy next to me, and he he works in entertainment. And we just started on this conversation. He's asking me what I do. I'm talking to him. I'm a leader. And he goes, I think you're a preacher. I go, all right, I'm a preacher. You got me. Because you don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> you don't want to have that. I've been a half hour flight. Have you ever the answered the question honestly when someone's asked, what do you do? What well, do you say? I'm not a liar. I just um, I work with people. You know what I? You know what I? You know what I tell people? I'm a podcaster. Yeah, that's actually better. It's, it's kind of working out. Yeah, but but what my my point is like you you get you, you start meeting people from other fields and it's actually it's actually the excellence and the passion that opens up that that door to now learn from other to learn from other people and what they're doing and where they're where they're going i also think you know what's amazing is that this concept that leaders are learners has been in the Bible from the beginning yeah. because the exact definition of a disciple right the 12 disciples is student teacher student teacher and it's this word picture of learning giving learning 
giving. And the moment you stop learning, you have nothing to give. And I think a great way to become passionless is to become educationless. It's to stop learning, right? right? The the moment you stop feeding that tank, of course you're gonna you're gonna be running. You you don't have any energy. That's why we can't stop learning. Uh, A friend of mine um, recommended a book to me uh, just two weeks ago. Ordered it on Amazon. Uh, Just started reading a secular book, the the Art of War, old school book. Started reading it, right? Old school. Old school. Just started reading it. It's paper thin. And for him, it meant something else. I started reading it. I was like, oh, this is a great book. Just chew it up, devour it, and then go on to the next thing. I could say, well, you're a pastor. You're, you're, not, you're, not in, you know, you're not in the army. Well, yeah, but at the same time, there's something about this man's passion that the principle of it can teach me. And I, I think that's also really imperative. You could learn from, and you just, you said oh, yeah. it so, you could learn from a chef about being a great leader. You could learn from, you could learn from someone working in construction on how to be a great communicator. You're always learning. I yeah. think that's what I love about um, Gen Z is I'm just trying to ask questions and learn, mm-hmm. you know, but I think you got to just always, you know, for, you, you notice the common denominator of great leaders, in my opinion, they're always asking more questions than giving answers. That's right. Yeah. Because they're more curious and learning than they are in leading. And I think you've got wow. it backwards. If you're like, man, I'd rather just be doing all the talking. Wow. It's like, Oh, you're just, you're a prideful person. Sure. You're not a great leader. Sure. Just because you're talking. I've been in, around some people that we get to dinner, and they dominate the whole dinner. And it's hard for me in my old age to keep who? a straight face anymore. <laughs> who, who was it? In your names? old age. Well, yeah, just kidding. What? Well, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I see you get a few waters in. Just yeah. No, but I just think it's like. Is that it's, water? It's like, wait, you love the sound of your voice that much? Or even worse, you um, you think we care about your opinion that much? Yikes. You're so impressed with yourself, you think we want to just listen to you all night? I'd rather have the opposite, where it's like, what have you learned? What's your life experience? Where are you from? Like, I think that's just a sign of a learner to me. A learner is asking questions, trying to... Th- you have to lead with curiosity. Great. You have to just stay curious in life, I think. It's really good. You guys just be like, I don't have, you know, anything figured out. I don't, I haven't figured, tell me about parenting. Tell me about marriage. Tell me about leadership. Tell me, like, I, I don't have all the answers. I have more questions than answers. Right. Yeah. I, I remember this one time, uh, it might have been over 10 years ago. It was while you were in Puyallup, and we were having this conversation, me, you, and our friend Rich, right? And we were talking about storytelling. And somebody said, man, this new comedian is brilliant at storytelling. And I don't know if you remember this, but we literally, we were in Rich's room and we're like laid out on his bed and we're just like holding a laptop in the air watching this one comedian. (laughs) And we probably spent five hours rewinding, watching, rewinding, watching. And we're laughing, of course. We're, we're, we're just having the best time. But what were we doing? We were learning from somebody that was not a preacher on how to tell story. Right. So good. And I think that's that's it. And I remember in that moment learning because the way that I grew up, that might have been, you know, a sin to, to watch, you know, a secular comedian and think that I could learn from them. But mm. I think it's a sin not to learn from other people. I, yeah. I think I think that's the mistake. So I think, man, you're, you're just helping so many people with this point. April, Jim what? Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 
It was Jim Carrey. Anyways, um, <laughs> April, what's something you've learned recently? We're putting April on the spot. I think Let's it's the it. co-anchor. What's something you've re- learned recently that you're like, man, this was a good one. This is a good a book or a quote or a thought or just something that you would stand out to you. Like, recently I just learned this. Well, I think this does go along with what we're talking about, about learning. I think I was, I've been listening to a podcast, trying to brush up on the, uh, the digital marketing podcast, which Whoa, is relevant because nice. I do marketing. Great. Um, <laughs> but just that, like tying that into this, I think what I've learned is like learning something does not have to be so serious. Like people are afraid of learning right. something because they take it so serious. Like right. I have, it has to be a study. Collegiate it has to be, or, yeah. yeah, it has to be such a big deal. Mm. But anyone, like you said, anyone can learn anything from anything, but also like anything small that you learn, yeah. like any, like I've been listening to this episode and it was talking all about like software and it's like not all this like marketing software is going to be relevant to anyone, but learning just one small thing is worth so much. And the more you pick up small things, like you look back at a year and you look at, you take inventory of all the small things you learned and like you've grown, like you're like a class ahead now. And so I think that people are intimidated by learning and that they're just like, well, I can't, I can't learn anything because it's this whole thing that I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to do Duolingo and sign up for all these classes or whatever. <laughs> when it's really just, it's you like, can It's not Rosetta Stone, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that you're, you, the, what you're saying is really important because I think, you know, like, I forget who was saying this recently. They were talking about, you know, you have to respect your creative process. Mm. You know, how you create is not how other people create. Sure. So, you, you know, what, like for me, I grew up in the coffee shop generation. So right. I used to study in a coffee shop with the sound of coffee being made and people and customers and music. And so to me, that noise allows me to focus. Mm. I can't really focus in the quiet. So you got to respect your process. I also think you have to respect your learning process that for me, I, I really learned from listening. Mm. I just listened to this great podcast from the CEO of iHeartRadio. She does the podcast division. And she said, you know, our eyeballs are exhausted. We're so overstimulated. But our ears are not. Mm. So I, I, when she said that, I go, yep, that's why I listen to so many podcasts and so many audiobooks. Right. And that's how I mm-hmm. learn. I learn via my ears. Even more than reading because my eyes feel exhausted. And, but my heart and my ears are just attached. Wow. And so I think you have to respect your learning process. When do you learn? Maybe it's a run. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's in your car. When I'm yeah. in the car, it's like I have two options. I can listen to sports radio <laughs> or I can put on podcasts or audiobooks. And I'm like on the plane. I just was flying the last couple of weeks. And I'm just like I'm, I'm rich dad, poor dad. I'm listening to my audiobooks because yeah. I, I got to get better. I'm hungry yeah. to grow. I think to be a great leader, you got to cram a whole bunch of good stuff in your head. For it to hopefully drop down into your heart. And if it gets into your heart, then it'll come out of your mouth. But the content you consume becomes the content you create. I cannot give away what I do not have. So I got to just get a bunch here. All right. This is the 100th episode of Leadership Lean In. And I'm just going to say it. We've had Athletic Greens with us for a while now. And they're sponsoring this episode as well. I love Athletic Greens and especially AG1. Okay, it's a packet. I put it in my drink. It gives me all the vitamins, all the nutrition I need for the day. And I take it every morning. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not a vegetable guy. I mean, look at me. But I get everything I need from AG1. I take it and then I go to the gym right down the street from my house and I feel like I can... 
I'm unstoppable, okay? So we want to hook you guys up. We think that you should have AG1 in your life in Athletic Greens. I'm telling you, like I said, I'm not like a big veggie guy or a salad guy. And so this is perfect. It tastes great. It's easy to take. It's fast to do. So grab your AG1. And I want to make sure I don't mess this part up. So I'm going to read it to you, okay? If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash LLI. That's athleticgreens.com slash LLI. Check it out, and you're not going to regret it. Next one, number four. Every great leader was a proactive risk taker. Mm. That's great. And I love this because I think you cannot be a leader and play it safe. Right. To be a leader is to step out and to risk reputation, risk safety, risk money, risk comfort. You are in the risk-taking business if you're going to be a leader. That's great. And so I love that because to me, I'm like, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. Yep. Yeah. So you can't have the reward of X, what you're going for in your business, your company. In our field, the, our reward is attached to people coming to a decision, yep. becoming followers of not even us. So that's our reward. I cannot get that reward without a risk. And so even yesterday in Memphis, I love this, this, um, this question because yesterday I was talking to John Siebling, who you, you know and love, and yeah. he's, he's a hero for me. Amazing. He's really good with money. Yep. Crazy. And I said, was there ever a time that you, um, you, know, you felt like you weren't good with money or like ever a time that you were like stressed about money? And he tells this story about where he put his church in such a financial liability. They took on too much risk. And they were strapped and they were stressed and, da, 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 and all this stuff. So when he got done telling the story, I said, let me ask you a question. Would you do it again? And he said, absolutely. Mm. Because wow. the reward was so great. Right. And I just think I love that because I think playing it safe is to just, just to bow down. Yeah. Playing it safe is just to be like. Absolutely. Like I jokingly make fun of myself when it comes to Julia and I. Julia was built for like pain tolerance. Julia is the person like right now she broke her foot. So at night she brings out this big bowl and she fills it with ice <laughs> and some water and she puts her foot in there and she gets the boys to see who can last the longest with their foot in there. <laughs> and so my seven year old's like Maverick's like, he's got his foot in there and he's like, looking at his mom and and I'm like I would have been out in three seconds done <laughs> I'm not even playing yeah I'm not even playing and they're just like you know they're just you know they're I always like to say I was built for comfort yeah <laughs> like when God created me he created me for a spa yeah <laughs> I'm not built for cold plunges totally. I'm built for hot tubs okay so <laughs> but nevertheless mm. when it comes to leadership I'm fine with risk you know, it, it, what's amazing is there, there's this verse that we, we quote often. Um, it says, it says, what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human mind has ever thought of, I have for those that love me. And what's amazing is, is if you love God and you're being obedient to God, I do not believe that you're truly taking a risk as great as you think. Right. Mm. I think it is scarier to stay stuck in the mundane 
than it is to follow God. Show me one person that was ever obedient to God and it went bad for them. So what he says for you, hey, here's what I have for you. I'm not even going to give you what anyone else has ever received before. I'm going to blow your mind. I know you want me to describe it to you, but I can't because no eye has seen it and no ear has even heard the sound and no human mind has ever thought of it before. But if you love me, I have this for you. There's a story in in 2 Kings and it's about the four lepers and there's a famine in the land. And, you know, lepers in those days, they would have a difficult time being fed when when food was flowing. So in a famine, they were for sure not going to be fed. So they have this conversation. They say, hey, if we stay here, we're dead. If we go to the city, we're going to die. But if we go over to the enemy, they might spare us. And then they say, I love it. They go, but if they kill us, then we're dead, which is, yeah, that's what happens when someone kills you. Uh, (laughs) But it's this idea. They think they're taking a risk. And when you look at what they thought were their only two options, their only two options were this. They either they spare us or they kill us. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says that as they were headed there, God made their enemy hear a sound. So as a result, they thought they were being attacked. So now their enemy ends up fleeing and the lepers never even run into their enemy. So what happened was (laughs) the way they assessed the situation was wrong and what they thought would be an outcome wasn't an outcome. So they took the risk, but it wasn't a risk because what does God have planned for those that love him? What no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human mind could possibly think of. And now these people in the middle of of a famine have a feast. Well, and that's the thing about when you are risking in ministry, when you are risking for God, he goes, I'm telling you, you might think you're going to lose out, but I promise you, you're going to gain so much that's more. That's right. So good. I feel like we should clap for that one. That was, Jeez. <laughs> that was really good. I, well, love, I, just, I love this conversation because I think the best leaders are the best risk takers. They are. They, what comes to mind for you, Nate Dog, when you think about risk? I think, first of all, no matter what, there's risk that's going to happen. Yeah. Right? That's just life. And uh, there's this there's this phrase. It's a cliche. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's. I don't think that's true. I think it's a bad cliche. If nothing changes, things get worse. Mm. So you might as well change right. for the better. Yeah. Otherwise, things will deteriorate. If you're not maintaining, if you can't change things, if you can't grow, you're gonna shrink. Yeah. And so the risk is better up front when you have resource, when you have conscious of mind when you have some sobriety than it is down the line when now you're forced to make a decision at a crossroad where either one like you just said uh, Chris either one you don't know the outcome where they're going to die or you know maybe this will work out once you get to that point it's too late yeah take the risk up front when you have you know your consciousness about you and you can go okay that didn't work I can go back to that crossroad I can go the other way now right right. so I, yeah, when it comes to risk, I'm just like, that's a natural order of life. Yeah. You might as well, as a leader, lead the way so that they don't have to take the risk. Right. You took it for them. I think, you know, one of the things about risk that, that every leader has to consider is the biggest risk you take is people. Yeah, wow. You know, because yeah. like when, you know, if you, like, say staff, you know, you have a staff. It's like um, you just, you're, you're hoping that they have good character. You know, you're hoping that they have good morals, good ethics. You're hoping. Mm. And, but what's the alternative to not trust anybody? Well. I'd rather err on the side of empowering and trusting people and taking a risk on people. That's why I like giving people a platform. We call it giving people a go mm. on a microphone, leading a song, announcements, preaching, whatever it is for in our context. I enjoy that because I'd rather take a risk than play it safe. Right. You know, I'd rather let my risk be... By the way, I take a risk. Every time I confront somebody, 
<laughs> and I address them, I'm taking a big risk. Yeah. Because they could go south. They could go sideways. Right. They could be offended. But I'm taking a risk in love, in loyalty. That's right. I'm taking a risk and in investment into their future. Mm-hmm. And so I'd rather be risky with people than be like, no one's coming to my house. Yeah. I remember a few years ago, we had some friends that, um, that, that they, they got really burnt by some people. And, and, and in fairness to them, terrible. And so the, the couple's telling me and Julia this story, what happened to them. And I feel very bad. And so the wife asked me, what do you think? Should we have anybody else into our house? Should we, should we just, do you think, hunker in? What are you going to do? And I was just like, oh, man, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. <laughs> I understand. I, and I said, probably for you to heal, don't for a while. Sure. But I think that you got to live your life with an open heart. Yeah. yeah. You know, the greatest leader that ever walked the earth died with the world having access to his heart. Great. Mm. And the moment you stop risking your heart, you're done. Man. That's you're great. out. You're done. You have to risk vulnerability, authenticity, genuine. Right. I'm going to risk myself to be like, you offended me. I'm going to risk myself to be right. like, what are you doing? I, 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 you can't play it safe and be great. So scary. I, I, I think of this term like confrontation. Either you choose confrontation or you choose catastrophe. Wow. Because whatever you do not confront will fall apart. And I think that when you are confronting someone, you're not only educating them, but you're educating yourself about them. The Bible says a wise man loves correction, but the fool rejects it. And I think when you're confronting someone and if you're if you're leading them and if they're leaning into how you're leading them, you're going to see very quickly how they respond. Right. I'm sure you've had a moment where you're, you're saying, hey, I'm telling you this because I love you. Yeah. If, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you. Right. But because right. I love you, I got to tell you this. Yep. And then you're watching how they interpret it. And then you go, oh, you know, but maybe the bad was on me because I didn't realize I thought you were further along. And that's okay. That's not a, in a demeaning way. What it is, it gives proper perspective. Now I know what I'm working with. Right. Now I know where we could go from here. And I think leaders do themselves a disservice when they don't. They, and they just go... You know, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to pray God takes care of it. Bro, Wow. God, Jesus could have stood on earth and could have handled it way better than any of us. But he commissioned us to <laughs> yeah, do it. So good. You're praying about the very things you're supposed to be operating in. And I think that is that is so essential for every leader, whether you know, you're working in ministry or whatever realm you're operating in, that you understand that it is imperative. It is key that you that you take it head on with love. With, with wisdom. Hey, right now it may not be best, but it's not forever. Right. You, yeah. you should eventually open right. up your home because I don't want to be the kind of person that doesn't allow people in my home. I, I want my home to be full of laughter. I want my home to be full of life. Yeah. I, I want my, my children. You know, I have a son. I have a daughter. Dylan is 15. Chloe just turned 13. God help me. I want them <laughs> to be around all kinds of people yeah. because it's going to help shape the person they are. That's right. April, you were going to say something. What were you going to say? Hmm. What was We're going to take a risk. We're going to take a risk on <laughs> that. We're going to take a risk on my memory of what I was going to say. No, no um, No, I think we've been talking about, one of our last episodes, we talked about trust. Mm. And how I think that I was just, when you were talking, um, Pastor Chris, about confrontation and how that's a risk with people. I mean, confrontation is so funny because uh, people look at it 
I mean, I've looked at it. I've grown so much in being here, just learning about how confrontation is like the healthiest thing we can do. And it builds so much trust because it shows people that you are open to talking and you're not afraid to take those risks and you see people worthy of the risk. Like, because if you're not taking that risk to talk to someone, they're not important to you. They're not, they're they're disposable but you risk you're able to risk you know your discomfort your feelings maybe even like the chemistry in let's say the office for a bit you're willing to risk that for a person for the relationship for their place in the organization i think that says so much it builds trust and it builds relationships so risk is and what are relationships built on they're built on trust respect and communication so i if you come and tell me what you think and how you feel i actually trust you more right you didn't lose trust you gained trust so i think it's just a it's a big deal i want to get to our last one that we put down here and that is every great leader was trying to become the healthiest version of themselves and i love this word health because i do not think that leaders should go after balance that's kind of like yeah to me, uh, an off-putting word as a leader. I know I can't get balanced, but I can get healthy. You know, um, again, I personally think that the greatest leader that ever walked the face of the earth is a man named Jesus. And it says that Jesus was so busy, he didn't have time to eat. So there's not a lot of balance. (laughs) He didn't have a place to live. So I don't see a lot of balance in that schedule. But what I do think he was very committed to was health. And I think that is... The most important thing to me is like having a healthy soul, having a healthy home, having a healthy team, having a healthy environment. And I think that that should be like our our goal. Why did I stop stop eating lunch really? I started eating breakfast because I heard a guy be like, that's so unhealthy if you're starving yourself for that many hours and this is very bad for your body. And I'm like, ah, I'll do whatever to be healthy. Right. That's kind of where I'm at. It's right. like, if you tell me it's healthy, I'm going to do it. The funny part yeah. is, though, that you, like we just said, you know, Jesus didn't eat. But then we're like, no, you need to eat. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be healthy, man. Yeah. Don't skip lunch. Another son of man. <laughs> but, um, but, I, but I think this is, this is really important for us because it's, it's very difficult for, I think, all leaders to really be honest with themselves about what is unhealthy. Sure. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. And so if you can just identify, this is toxic, this person is toxic, my thinking is very bad, Mm. the way I'm handling this is immature, the way to get into health, in my opinion, is to address all the unhealth, Right. because all of us have unhealthy things in our life. All of us have things that are slowing us down, making us struggle, making us unhappy, so it's like... If it's sleep, then let's address it. If it's a bad attitude, if it's fill in the blank, could be diet, could be sleep, could be exercise. I saw a thing recently that's like, you need sleep, diet, exercise, and rest. Mm -hmm. So is it that that's causing you to not be healthy? Or is it tied to a relationship or an emotional disposition? What's causing you to not be in the healthiest version of yourself? To me, my obsession is not being like anybody else. That's great. My goal is to become the best version of me. Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's kind of what I'm after. Is like I just want to be the healthiest, happiest version. I, I use the word happy kind of in context because I'm not trying to be happy. I understand. Fulfilled, you know, satisfied, fulfilled. Content. Yeah, just like yeah. joy. 
you know, there's a guy I listen to a lot named Colin Coward. And I just, when I listen to him, I could tell, like, he's cracked his code. What? Stop! That's Colin. It was That's very Colin. good. Would an unhealthy guy say that? But, but yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but to me, it's like, you've got to unapologetically be you. Yeah. Right. Like, if you like going to bed early, go to bed. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you like getting up early, get like, you got to crack your code. What's funny is I remember this one time with you. We were we were in LA. A bunch of our friends were all here, and we had all just flown in. But you had just flown back home from somewhere, and we were like, "Oh, we're gonna go have a great dinner, and then we're gonna go back. I don't know somewhere else to someone's home or someone's hotel room, and we're just gonna laugh with each other." And I'll never forget. We're all walking, and then all of a sudden, someone goes, "Where's Chad?" And we turned around. You're down the block. And you went, I'll see you tomorrow, guys. And, we, and we, I mean, we were, we were doing all the things that, you know, good friends would do. We were calling you names. We were guilting you. We were, yes. we were shaming Great friends, you. man. Yeah, yes. great yes. friends say, I flew all the way over here. You know what I mean? We, we do all that. He said, no, I got to go to bed. And I, I'll never forget that. I was like, man, he, ma- he made the best choice for him in that moment. You know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. that's, what, that's what wise people, that's what smart people do. I also think you, you alluded to it earlier because you said, man, no one's perfect. I think that's a really great place to start because it helps us to level the playing field, right? Let's just level this thing. Yeah. None of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. So if none of us are perfect, what's the progress that we need to take? What, what, what's the progress we need to make? What area in our life? For me, I love coffee. At one point, though, last year, I was drinking five cups a day. It's Good embarrassing. Job. It's sickening. It's too oh, much. Yeah, embarrassing. Now I'm at two cups a day. Way to go, Chris. Yeah, even though today I had three. But um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sorry, Progress. I repent. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I realized, though, it's it's what was messing with my rest because wow. I wasn't able to sleep. And, hey, I found out that if I want to be healthy, I should be sleeping seven, eight hours. I was like, seven, eight hours? That's like a lifetime. Man, I'll, I'll sleep four. I'll sleep five. But I realized there are things that I love that don't love me. And if I want to become who I love, then I have to stop doing the things that do not love me. Like, I love carbs. Carbs don't love me. You know what I mean? (laughs) I gain weight the moment I say carb. There I go. I just felt it. But I think there are decisions that we have to make so that we could could become who we want to become. Why? Because we're not perfect. Man, what a sobering thought, by the way. That shouldn't be a scary thought. That should be a sobering thought. I'm not perfect. So there are things that I have to do to help myself so that I could progress. Say say that line again. Uh, There's things that I love. That don't love me. So good. I think I'm like, man, we gotta make that a button. I know that's a yeah, button. Yeah, yeah. I level. got a button. <laughs> <laughs> Things that I love that don't love me. That is such a good line. And I think that you know, you for some reason we look at superhero leaders and we go, we gotta be like them. Yeah. And I don't I think it's a lie. I think you gotta be like you. Yeah. You gotta learn from them, but you gotta live like you. Yeah, you you know, to me part of the maturation process is just getting really comfortable in your own skin and just be, you know, there's nothing better. Again, I said it earlier, but a secure, confident leader. And that's health to me. Health is going like, you know, you're healthy when you stop comparing, mm-hmm. you know, you're healthy when you start celebrating yeah. the success of others. That's right. And you know, you're healthy when you're really just, there's a truth I think about leadership a lot, which is don't look to the right or left. Keep your eyes straight in front of you. Part of that is going like, I'm excited about my life. 
I'm a developed tunnel vision. I'm, yeah, I'm excited about where I'm going and what I, I got vision. I've got passion. I've got future. I've got a lot of great people with me. Man. I've got a family. I got friends. I got people. I got support from my loved ones. W- what else do I need? Oh, sleep, diet, yep. exercise, rest. You know, it's the saying if you ain't rested, you ain't ready. So, because I want to attack, like right now, I really feel like I'm in attack mode. It's kind of one of my yeah. themes for this year yeah. is I'm in attack mode. Mm. And, and last year wasn't attack mode. Last year was like man, crisis manage mode. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little bit like, oh, God, duck for cover. But, um, <laughs> but, 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 but now I'm going into attack mode. As, as I do that, I don't have time to be fooling around. Right. Yeah. I think that's the other thing is like to be an effective leader to me is to live with such a clear conscience because you've actually scrubbed out your motives. And you can always, the the thing about leadership is like, you can actually discern when someone's motives are very selfish, very self-serving, very narcissistic. But when you feel like someone's actually caring about you and leaning into your world and serving you, you'll, you'll die for them. You give them the world. So you got to be healthy. And uh, another word I'll use within that is whole. I, I got to ask you this. I, I know you're on a, on a rent here, but it's so important because I remember speaking to my therapist and we were talking about one of these buzzwords, right? Narcissism was such a buzzword and still is. And I remember my therapist saying to me, a narcissist will never know they're a narcissist. Right. So they would never be seeking help. They would not be relying on team. Um, they would not be trying to better themselves. They think that they've arrived you just said something I think is so key, and it's what sparked this question. You said, I have to scrub out my motives. How, how, how does somebody, there's somebody watching this right now, and they were like, well, I know what I know, but I don't know what I don't know. How do I, how do I scrub out my motives so that my motives remain pure? Because to be honest with you, I think at the end of the day, man, I think most people want to be great people. They want to be good yeah, people. Yeah. And we just, how, how do I scrub this thing out? How do I get there? That's a great question. I think to me, scrubbing your motives to me is, is being brutally honest with your intentions. That's mm. great. So, Why? So, so I remember, I remember this is, um, this is really funny. Like years ago, I'm going to drop a name. Please pick it up when I drop it. <laughs> I love name dropping, man. Dude, this is so fun. Do you guys ever name drop? Dude, this is the name of one. Jesus. Chris. Oh, come on, on, you son of a baker. Two saved. <laughs> Once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. <laughs> I remember years ago, uh, a friend of ours speaking with Kevin Durant and having this conversation of why he got off Instagram. And he got off Instagram for a while. Pick it up. Thank you very much. He was saying he got off of Instagram because he really felt and this other person like very convicted about why they were posting to be seen, to gain respect. So it's all about, it's not about a thing about leadership. Leadership is all about serving in a social media generation. It's all about self-serving. So this person felt so convicted about that. They were like, I got to get off because I got to deal with my intent. Why are you posting that? I think that's a great social media strategy. Why? Why post it? Right. You want to inspire or do you want to be seen? Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. You can't answer that without being honest. Right. So I've got to be brutally honest with myself and and confess sometimes like, dang, I want respect. 
I, I've heard uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel talk about the difference between um, fame and influence. Oh, gosh. Leaders mm-hmm. don't want to be famous. Oh, gosh. They want influence. Oh, gosh. Fame says, look at me. Yes. Influence says, follow me as we go somewhere. There's a big difference. Yeah. Fame is people right. knowing right. my name. Influence is making our names right. right. And wow. we're, we're, we're becoming who we need to become, yeah. who, who we want to become. This is a generation that is just looking to be seen. And sadly, by the way, mm. they're, they're doing anything. anything. And yeah. they no, no press is bad press as long as they're seen. But what they don't realize is not only are they damaging themselves, but they're damaging others because others are watching them. I, I just saw this clip, and it actually really encouraged me, uh, a rapper named NBA Youngboy. NBA Youngboy is massive amongst this generation. Now, if you've not heard of him, that's okay. You're probably, you know, over 18. But anyone 18 and younger understands that NBA Youngboy became famous through YouTube and, and, and TikTok. And you know what he said? He said, I started listening to my music and I felt horrible about what I was encouraging people to do. He said, I don't want to rap about violence anymore. Wow. And I'm watching it and I'm like, here's a man that made it and says, although I have everything, I don't even like how I made it. I don't ever want to be the leader that makes it and achieves and goes, but I don't like what I did to get here. I rather love myself as opposed to being disgusted with myself. And you could watch this young man who, you know, he got face tattoos and he fits this this image of what he's always rapped about. And it was just this sobering moment. And I think for us, intention is everything. We should be challenging ourselves. I think that's brilliant. Why am I posting? Why why am I putting this this out there? Is it because I want to be seen? Or is it because I want to be influential? And we should all aspire to be influential. I think I have to, that's the, I love what you just said. I think I have to be careful personally because I'm an Enneagram three. What, what are, what are you on the Enneagram? Eight. You're an, you're a challenger. We got, aren't you, aren't you an two eight? threes and two eights at the table? You're a three as well. Yeah. So my personality is to achieve. Mm. So my biggest fear in life is being average. That's like my fear. I feel That's, like I know that about you. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but you do. But you do. But you do. Like I'm petrified of being average. That's like, so it's like, but I have to wrestle that within me to go, what it, why? Like what, so do you do things truly for the glory of the one that created you and for the service of others? Or do you do things so that you're not average or seen as average? Mm. I'm watching the Bernie, Made, uh, Bernie Madoff uh, documentary right now, the new one on Netflix. And they say that, um, I'm not to the episode yet, but they say when his son dies, he commits suicide. I just, someone was just telling me this. It inspired me to watch the whole thing. They say when Bernie Madoff's son commits suicide, he grieves and he mourns, not his son, but the ability to be respected as a parent. Mm-hmm. And that's where that will take you. Not having, Jeez. in episode one, he, he, he lies and he'd rather, think about this, he lies about um, a financial uh, situation because he would rather be seen as a liar rather than a failure. Wow. So he choose to willfully lie. Think about where this took him eventually. He is a young, young person. He lies because he'd rather be seen as a liar. That's better to him than a failure. What I'm saying is you've got to address you call them the demons in your closet, the insecurities in your soul, whatever you want, whatever label you want to put it. It's unhealth. 
It's toxicity. And if we're not honest to address these things, eventually they become the thing that's like, how did they get here? Well, I'll tell you how. They didn't address it here. And so I think for me, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a constant progress. I was telling this story yesterday. This is so funny. When I was first started in, 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 our, in church, um, I, I was in East L.A. in the, in the hood, in the barrio, in the Batos Lucas Forever homes. I was over there on the east side. And this old pastor used to take me out for pie. So it's like 2 p.m. We're having apple pie and like vanilla ice cream. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this old pastor, this guy was like in his late 60s. He maybe older. He told me one day, he said, every day for the rest of your life, you're going to battle two things, pride and sexual temptation. And I was like, thanks, man. Like, I was like, I didn't know how to take <laughs> it. Like, like <laughs> do, they, do you guys have pumpkin? Like, I, don't know, like, I don't know what, I don't know how to handle that. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this pre-first bite like, in the man, meal? Like, like, yeah. Love having pie with you, bro. Like, why are you speaking that over me <laughs> yes. every day? Oh, wow. Every day? <laughs> the rest of my life? Yeah, really? what about Christmas? <laughs> Christmas Day? Here oh, I am. come on. <laughs> like, there's no days off? <laughs> yeah. Hashtag, Easter? Hashtag no, no way, days off. <laughs> Here I am on the 4th of July. I, I don't want that pie. <laughs> oh, my God. What about my birthday? <laughs> 100th episode. Uh, wait. Oh, bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> Where have we gone? But, but, what, what, I, what, I, what I appreciated about what he was trying to say to me was that there's no rival. you got to constantly work on you. You're the biggest. The blessing's on you and the burden's on you. You're, the, you're the problem. You're the solution. Yeah. You're, you're the strength and the weakness at the same time. And so what is the goal to become the healthiest version of you? Leadership Lean In, we love you. We're thankful for you. We're glad that you're on the journey with us. Let's clap for the live audience with us today. So grateful for everyone making it out. And uh, we cannot promise perfection. But as usual, we leave promising progress. We'll see you soon.